Climate change coverage is often criticized for being all doom and gloom all the time. Climate change is getting worse, and some of the damage is irreversible. Human activity is changing the climate in unprecedented ways. But, maybe surprisingly, most projections you hear focus on the low end of the predicted temperature rise. As of this summer, the world is warmer than it was over a century and a half ago, by about 1.3 degrees Celsius. You know, the world beyond 1.5 degrees means more frequent and intense fires. California's largest fire of the year. Floods. Here in Germany, some of the worst flooding in a decade. Droughts, heat waves, and hurricanes. We have breaking news on Hurricane Ida, this extremely dangerous storm. Tearing through communities, ripping away lives and livelihoods. And some of the worst-case projections are a lot higher, up over 5 degrees. At its core, the climate crisis is really a carbon crisis. And to avoid a carbon catastrophe, we need to stop burning carbon. And places like the Amazon rainforest need to keep absorbing it. But what would happen if we could no longer count on the Amazon to keep vacuuming up all that carbon? Well, new research suggests we're about to find out. I'm Kevin Hurton, in for Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. We're back with the second of three episodes, Water, Fire, and Heat, examining climate change at its most basic levels. And today, we're talking about fire. And if you live in Russia... Uncontrollable blazes have consumed thousands of kilometers of Siberian forests. California... American firefighters are battling more and bigger blazes this year. Greece... There were 118 fires in all of Greece yesterday. Algeria. Algeria's Kabyle region. It's one of 16 provinces in the North African country, hit by wildfires since Monday. Or even Turkey. Dozens of fires have been burning across southern Turkey in the past few days. There's a chance you've been talking about fires, too. There are so many fires right now, and they're big. The Dixie Fire is the second largest California has ever seen. And the Siberian fires are emitting more greenhouse gases than any fire ever before. But one place we're not hearing about fires, this year at least, is the Amazon. My name is John Miller, and I'm a carbon cycle and climate researcher with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, working at its Global Monitoring Laboratory. And I've been working, studying the Amazon carbon cycle and climate, which includes studying fires, deforestation, and global warming. Using measurement techniques, specifically measurements of greenhouse gas concentrations in the atmosphere above the Amazon, to try to understand the current operation of the Amazon and what might happen to it in the future. So to get started, I asked him what the Amazon is like. But I wonder if you could tell me about the first time you went down to the Amazon. Yeah, so a lot of people, when they study the Amazon, they end up going deep into the forest to research stations and climb up towers to make measurements and look at the trees and things like that. Dr. Miller's work doesn't require hacking through the jungle with a machete, 
at least not on a typical day. Our research of the Amazon is a little bit different and less glamorous. We usually head to the nearest small private airport where we have contracted with an air taxi operator. And if things are going well, John doesn't even have to be in the plane. We, over the years, have put equipment on these airplanes, portable equipment that can be taken on and off. And basically, we train the aircraft operators to sample the atmosphere. The samples are sent to a laboratory. A laboratory in Sao Paulo, Brazil, far away from the Amazon, the equipment that they've sent back to us is measured. Then we return these suitcases back to them and they do this process again. He's been doing this kind of research for a while now. For almost 20 years. And this particular project has been going on for almost a decade. Some days can be routine, others are not. I have been a few times on the planes and it's really amazing on several levels. You sometimes see just a lush carpet of green as far as the eye can see. And then as the plane spirals down, as you go closer and closer to the tree canopy, the individual trees and the structure of the forest starts to emerge, which is amazing to see. He talks about it like somebody who truly loves his job. And then on the other hand, sometimes when you're flying, you see really amazing patterns of lush forest on one side of a road and then on the other side of the road where the law allowed logging, it's just an agricultural field. You see the deforestation. This is something Dr. Miller pays a lot of attention to. These signs of virgin rainforest lost. A couple times I've seen where there's just a little bit of smoke coming out of something unidentified. Nothing big, just very small. Nothing like what the world saw when the Amazon ignited in 2019. There have been over 80,000 fires in Brazil already this year, part of the rise of deforestation. In 2019, you had a situation where in the city of Sao Paulo, 20 million people, the air quality was just horrendous. It darkened the skies over Sao Paulo, more than 2,000 kilometers south of the burn area. It was as if it was night in the middle of day. But if you search the internet today for Amazon Fire, you're more likely to find a television accessory than what Dr. Miller is seeing. Signs that the global climate may not be able to reverse course. I mean, there are fires every year. During the dry season, roughly August to November, depending on where you are in the Amazon. Last year, Brazil faced the worst forest fires in a decade. But 2021 could be worse. Fire is not just putting carbon into the atmosphere from trees, but it's removing the trees that have the potential to absorb a lot of the extra carbon we're putting in the atmosphere from fossil fuel combustion. Yeah, absolutely. We should be focusing more there. Dr. Miller and his research team are trying to find out how much carbon is being absorbed by the trees. He and a lot of other climate scientists call this phenomenon carbon sink. Can you tell us what a carbon sink is? A carbon sink is when the surface of the earth, either the land or the ocean, absorbs carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. The trees in the forest use photosynthesis all the time. 
in the Amazon. And a carbon sink is when the absorption of the carbon through photosynthesis exceeds the release of carbon through what we call respiration or the release of carbon dioxide from the decaying matter. So the Amazon is a carbon sink, but of course, other places on the planet are not covered in green as far as the eye can see, which has created a bit of a problem, namely global warming. All around the world, you have factories and trucks and all these things emitting carbon. But at the same time, the Amazon is like a giant vacuum that is sucking in that carbon. Yeah, that's a good analogy for sure. And there have been signs, not just from our work, that the efficiency of the vacuum has been reducing over the years. That it was, relatively speaking, sucking up more carbon earlier and doing less so now. And the less carbon in the atmosphere, the less warming. So these carbon sinks are vitally important. And the Amazon is not alone. There are other carbon sinks all over. Forests in North America, forests in Siberia, Russia, where, of course, as we mentioned, there are massive forest fires right now. Grasslands as well have the opportunity to be sinks. And one of the biggest sinks that we are aware of are the oceans. So in a sense right now, globally, we only see about half the impact of our fossil fuel emissions due to all the sinks. Hold on. <laughs> Sorry. Can you explain what that means by, by half? For the last several years, on average, we emit around 10 billion tons of carbon per year. And remember, we're talking strictly carbon here. You want to talk about carbon dioxide, that's heavier. That's about 33 billion tons. COVID was a little bit less, but not that much less. 10 billion tons of carbon per year. But of that 10 billion tons of carbon we emit per year, only half, on average, stays in the atmosphere. Wow. So 10 billion is going out, but 5 billion is being absorbed back in through these sinks, through these big vacuum cleaners. That's exactly right. So this has big implications for the Paris Accords, for example. The legally binding treaty signed by 196 countries in Paris in 2015. Each of the countries promised to reduce emissions. With the eventual goal of limiting global average temperature increase to either 1.5 or 2 degrees Celsius. And you may remember in the last episode, I mentioned an additional 0.5 degrees Celsius would be considered catastrophic. So now we have this global warming equation. That, in a sense, was based on a lot of assumptions. And one of the assumptions is that the carbon sinks keep operating in a reasonable way. And from what Dr. Miller's seen in the Amazon, not all of these sinks are being reasonable. So if the efficiency of the sinks are reduced by a lot, what that means is that the countries of the world would need to really redouble or triple or quadruple their efforts to reduce their carbon emissions and get to a net zero carbon emission world even more quickly. And what you've discovered is, is starting to happen or has already happened in the Amazon. Specifically with the Amazon, we get measurements of the concentration of the main greenhouse gases, primarily CO2, the focus of this study. We look at the data to see whether different parts of the Amazon are either sources or sinks. So Dr. Miller, 
Dr. Luciana Gatti, who led the research from Brazil's National Institute for Space Research in Sao Paulo. And this whole team of scientists around the world kept looking, sending pilots above the Amazon, gathering samples and sending those samples to the lab, monitoring them and seeing if there's any sign the amount of carbon in the air has changed. And then they saw something. Something changed. Yeah, I think there was a period where during the analysis, we said, okay, we have nine-year record of data at these four different sampling sites. And so we're really going to look at it in detail and look at the spatial patterns, look at how it changes year to year. And in the process of doing that, the lead author, my colleague, Luciana Gatti, she really did some specific analyses that showed, oh my gosh, it really looks like in especially the southeast of the Amazon, like we're starting to see a trend where these ecosystems, even when you take away the impact of burning, just the ecosystems that are intact and remaining, they don't seem to be absorbing carbon very much anymore. And in fact, look like they're losing carbon. Okay, I just want to stop for a second and emphasize how significant what he's saying is. Parts of the Amazon, one of the world's most important carbon sinks, are not just absorbing less carbon. Now, these areas are actually emitting more carbon than they absorb. And I think that was probably, from my perspective, that biggest aha this is the lead author, Dr. Luciana Gatti, presenting some of the results. It's very sad, these results. It's such a dramatic situation for the Amazon, but it's very important. It was so much worse than we thought. The human impact is not only stopping the Amazon from absorbing carbon, it's becoming a carbon source. Well, that's why this is such an earth-shattering report, because we've been relying on the Amazon, it's like that member of your team that is, you know, s steady, you don't hear from, but they're absolutely essential. And then when they're gone, you don't realize it until it's gone. Yes. So as, as time goes on, the concern that we have certainly is that the Amazon might start pushing out carbon to the atmosphere. And we're definitely on that trajectory in the south and southeast of the Amazon possibly in other parts of the Amazon as well. Um, we, there's a little bit less evidence for that. But one of the things that we found in our research is that this Southeast, where we see these trends, these are areas where historically there has been a lot of human impact. There's been a lot of deforestation and that deforestation has led to local climate change. It's not just an issue then of the trees being gone, but because the local climate has changed in those areas, even the remaining living trees are now being affected by the local climate change. And this is on top of global climate change. So the concern is if in the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years, the Western Amazon and Central Amazon, those areas of the Amazon have more roads being built through them and thus more human encroachment, maybe 
we would see what's happening in the southeast start to happen in other parts of the Amazon. So this is Brazil, like right where the, the forest meets the grassland, right? Right. You have a transition from the savannas, which are grassland with sparse trees, moving into more dense forests to the point where you eventually get a real full tropical rainforest. It's almost like the north of Brazil, but it's the south of the Amazon. And it's very much historically the frontier. There's some smaller cities, but a lot of the kind of deforestation and burning is happening is not really near the cities. You might have a situation where small landholders have cleared land for either animal or plant agriculture. Fires are set to clear the land so it can be sold and used for cattle or soy, two key exports, as well as mining. And then they use fire to help maintain the land, to get rid of weeds, to clear the land. And then if you have a very dry year, very dry conditions, suddenly that fire spreads much more rapidly than it would otherwise. So there's a very interesting coordination between these kind of background climate effects and the local human effects that are working in concert. But it's really in those border regions where most of this has happened, and the border essentially is moving north. Brazil's president, Jair Bolsonaro, has taken heat over the years for giving the green light to loggers and others contributing to the Amazon's deforestation. Jair Bolsonaro has never made the Amazon a priority, but after his ally Donald Trump was defeated by Joe Biden in the U.S. presidential elections, he bowed down to international pressure. At April's climate change summit hosted by Biden, Bolsonaro pledged to invest more in environmental enforcement. But the Amazon carbon project isn't done, and Dr. Miller is starting to worry about the funding. We are lucky at NOAA in the U.S. that we have some pretty consistent baseline levels of funding to do research. In Brazil, there is not such a mandate. And for this project, we have worked really hard over the years. But yeah, it's very difficult. Not willing to give up, Dr. Miller started a similar study in Uganda. What's happening in the Amazon is not just Brazil's problem anymore, he says. Do you think that we're being honest with ourselves about just how bad things could get if a trend like this continues? I think a lot of policymakers approach problems from a perspective of what can be done and less so about what would need to be done to, for example, keep temperatures below 1.5 degrees global mean by the end of the century. If you were to add up all the commitments that have been currently made under the Paris Agreement, the amount of carbon emissions that the global community has promised to reduce is nowhere near what even the current models would say is required to keep us below 2 or 1.5 degrees Celsius by the end of the century. Nowhere close. One of the issues with fire is that we get into these loops where fire puts carbon into the atmosphere, that warms the temperature, then you might get a warmer temperature so you get more fires the next year. Once you're in one of these feedback loops, how do you get out of it? The only way we can get out of those feedback loops is by 
eliminating the fossil fuel contribution. We can't really influence the process of permafrost melting, for example. What we have control over is how much fossil fuel we burn and how much CO2 goes into the atmosphere. With fire, we can enact stricter policies about limiting intentional burning, but by far the biggest thing we can do and the biggest thing we have control over is how much fossil fuel we burn. More on that Wednesday when we head to the Middle East to talk about heat. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Amy Walters with Dina Kisbe, Ney Alvarez, Alexandra Locke, Nagin Oliai, Priyanka Tilve, Ruby Zaman, and I'm in this week for the host of The Take, Malika Bilal. Tom Fenton is our story editor. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Aya Almilake is our engagement producer. And Stacey Samuel is our executive producer. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at AJTheTake. We'll be back.